Fully Loaded Chew is tobacco-free, long-cut, and pouches that gives you the same pack, dip, spit, and buzz that you're used to without tobacco. Fully Loaded Chew comes in nine flavors and is made with all food-grade ingredients and tobacco-free nicotine, the purest form of nicotine there is. To give us a try, head on over to FullyLoadedChew.com for a $1 can of chew with free shipping when you enter the code OUTDOOR1. O-U-T-D-O-O-R and the number one. Lastly, many outdoorsmen are trying to quit tobacco altogether and Fully Loaded Chew may be that first step. For more information on our product line, visit FullyLoadedChew.com. Check out Dogs Are Treat at DogsAreTreat.com and if you go to their website at checkout and enter the code HXP20% off, you will get 20% off of your entire order on all of their branded products. Leashes, tie-outs, medical kits, paws are protected. Build your pack from the ground up and support a fellow houndsman that supports your lifestyle. Enter the code HXP20% off at checkout. Go to their website today at dogsartree.com. This is the Houndsman XP Podcast. Good dog, get that bear. Get that bear in here. The original podcast for the complete houndsman. The podcast that represents our lifestyle of extreme performance. Get up there! Get him! Get him! Yeah! Good boy! Come on, Ranger! Uniting houndsmen across the globe from east to west, north to south. You know, if you're going to catch a cat or a lion, you know, you have to have teamwork. We take you to the wildest places on earth. Yeah, so how many days how many days a week can you spend out there? As much as I can to be honest with you. Anytime that I get, I'm I'm out there. Join us for every heart pounding adventure on Houndsman XP. I'll tell you like I tell everyone else, I'm gonna hunt whether you're here or not, so you might as well be here. <laughs> It is ladies' night at Houndsman XP. Lauren took over the mic and interviewed Naomi Yates for this episode. Before we get there, I want to and lay out what this show is going to be about for you. You're not going to want to miss it. I can tell you that. But uh, I want to bring you up to speed on a couple things that's going that that are going on in our world. And first, I want to talk to you about. Uh, a couple sponsors that just came on board to support Houndsman XP. And uh, before I tell you who those are, I want to I tell you why we have sponsors for this show. So our main game, our main way that we support this show and, and, and keep, keep the lights on, pay for Skype, pay for equipment, 
pay for fuel. I mean, anybody needs money for fuel these days to get up and down the road and uh, record live interviews and get out there and and get after it and and record these episodes in the field as often as we can while we are hunting. You know, we're not just sitting around talking about hunting. All of us are deeply passionate and get after it. And uh, so those things cost money. And another thing that we do is we support, we put our money where our mouth is. We support America's heroes through Freedom Hunters with the money that we make. But our main game for that is through Patreon. Patreon is a platform where we can make this a listener-based show. That means that our listeners support this show through Patreon. And and what that does is a person goes to Patreon or goes to our website, chooses to to support our show and they can do that at three levels. You can do it at $4 a month. You can do it at $8 a month. You can do it at $12 a month. You can pick the amount that you actually want to do. Those are just easy ways for you to get in. And, and then what we do after that, what that, what that makes a patron eligible for are monthly drawings, semi-annual drawings, and annual drawings. Okay, so let's tie this all together. We've got patrons who are supporting the show. We've got sponsors of the show. So those sponsors help us out with discount codes to our patrons. They help us out with product for the monthly, semi-annual, and annual drawings. And and they also help us get out there to do these Freedom Hunters events. We've been to Arizona. We've been to... uh, Louisiana, we've been to Mississippi, uh, we've been had events right here in Indiana, and we, we're continuing to expand on that with Freedom Hunters, and that's just such a worthy cause. So our Patreon uh, benefits that, that people get involved with uh, and decide to support us, support all of those types of things, plus it keeps us bringing you a hard-hitting, high-quality show, and that's why we do that's why we need your support and that's why we take care of our our patrons over there on Patreon so well. I mean, you get exclusive content out of Patreon. We're getting ready to launch a um, a video conferencing platform. I'll let the cat out of the bag. Seth's probably going to he may he may uh he may be jumping up and down right now, but but a video conferencing platform where our patrons are going to be able to join us live online a couple times a month and uh, talk to some of the experts in the field that that we are featuring as guests. So it'll be an extension of this, only you will have the opportunity to ask questions in a lot on a live platform and get involved. You may be even at, you uh, may even be asked to join us on screen to lay that question out and put you in direct contact with uh, the featured guests that week or or one of us crazy people. I don't know why you'd want to talk to us, but we try to we try to get out there and find the experts in the field and and bring them to you. And that's what our our uh, video conferencing uh, chat room deal is going to bring to you real soon. And then. Uh, 
the other thing is tailgate talks and 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 another benefit for Patreon is uh, for you is when you join us at the twelve dollar level, we just go ahead and buy you a subscription to Southern Hound Hunting Magazine. And Southern Hound Hunting is is an up and coming magazine. Uh, Mark Booth and his staff down there are doing an outstanding job of putting together a high quality magazine that is representing the lifestyle of the houndsman like no other on the market right now. So that's going to be included when you join us at $12. Plus, you're going to get special discount codes and all kinds of other cool stuff. But that's why we have sponsors, folks. It's not to make this a big commercial venture. Okay, for a couple exciting announcements on sponsors that are coming on board with us. Uh, so we've got Old South Dog Boxes. Old South, we've, we've got a deal worked out with with Chad and Dana Wall, where we are going to get some exposure on their TV show, uh, Wall Hanger TV, and we're going to give them exposure over here. Guys, we got to figure out ways to bridge this gap. Wall Hanger TV is predominantly a deer hunting TV show, and we need to be able to get our message out there in front of this audience, this massive audience that, that Wall Hanger TV has, has created and get our message out there as hunters, as houndsmen, to bridge those gaps in that hunting community. We can't stand alone, and it, we have to, we have to find ways to do that. And and Chad and Dana have graciously offered that to us. So I'm really excited with that. If you haven't checked out Old South Dog Boxes, I'll make a promo later for them. But but uh, man, you need to go check out what what they're building down there in. Springfield, Louisiana. The boxes are amazing. Uh, custom stuff all the way through. Give them a call. They can hook you up. If you can think of it, if you can sketch it, if you can, uh, you know, if you, if you can have this wild vision in your head, then Chad can make that happen for you. So check that out. The other one is tier one calls. Lane Denny and Tyler Compton purchased big show game calls from Josh McKellis and uh, studied under Josh's tutelage there on how to make these calls, and and they took over the production of those calls. So they are now operating as Tier 1. Same calls, same model, same great sound, same great quality. So you've got two guys that are that are highly motivated for your business and and are trying to produce the best coon squaller out there that they possibly can, and... Uh, I think it's going to be a great product, and I know Josh is McKellis has still been mentoring them and working with them and and getting them uh, up to speed and 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 advising them. So it's going to be a good deal, and they are going to support us with some Patreon drawing stuff and and things like that. So I would highly recommend you find them, and you're going to be hearing an episode from them real soon about what their plans are, and I'm not going to try to steal that thunder. That's that's uh, going to be for your listening pleasure. All right, it's time to get it on with this episode, and Lauren tracked down Naomi Yates and had a conversation with her that, that is really going to strike home with everybody. Naomi is a hard-charging hound hunter from the northern part of Colorado in the Rocky Mountains. She she loves to hunt lions, but she she's more than just a hunter. I mean, she is not afraid to stand up and say, this is why I hunt. 
and and puts it out there. She's got a great social media game and using those social media platforms to promote hunting, hunting with hounds, and just the overall outdoor lifestyle. I also want to give a big shout out to Lauren. Lauren is the one who takes care of our social media platforms and different things like that. She isn't on the show often enough. I think she's a natural at this, at interviewing uh, people and, and her personable skills and, and your communication skills are just absolutely phenomenal. And she does a great job on this episode. I hope you'll enjoy it. We've got a solid strike, a hot track. We found the tracks in the dirt. We know which way it's headed. It's time to open the doors on that old south and dump the box. Southern Hound Hunting Magazine is the most comprehensive magazine that represents your lifestyle as a houndsman. If you can hunt it with a hound, it is being covered in the pages of Southern Hound Hunting Magazine. You also get an in-depth look at the men and women who are engaged in this lifestyle, living it every day to the fullest. From the Rocky Mountains to the Southern Swamps and across the ocean with articles about our international houndsmen and what they're chasing across the pond. Go to southernhoundhunting.com, get your subscription for $15 a year. Southern Hound Hunting Magazine, promoting the fair chase experience. Hey everybody, welcome to the Houndsman XP podcast. You might have heard my voice a little bit recently on some of our episodes, um, but I've got an awesome guest with us here today, and it's just going to be us two. Uh, I guess duetting this, um, but I'm on a solo ride as a host, so I hope you guys enjoy it. And I'd like to introduce our guest today. It's Naomi Yates, and Hi. welcome aboard. And it is great talking to you again. Yeah, you too. It's been a while trying to set this up. We're both pretty busy. <laughs> we that is that is definitely true, um, and. I had to call your landline. So what part of the country are you in? It's got to be pretty remote. <laughs> yeah. Um, we don't have any service up here in the Rocky Mountains in northern Colorado. So west of Fort Collins-ish. Um, and then we did have, like, decent internet and some DSL, and then a fire went through. And it took them so long to reconnect that that we actually went with satellite internet. And it's pretty pretty shoddy so the landline is the best way <laughs> yeah that i mean that's got to be kind of hard when you need to do some internet stuff at home a little bit frustrating maybe yeah for sure the fire screwed a lot of things up but i we still have our house and all of that stuff still, still definitely good. Still now how, animals, how far away so did it we're did good it get? <laughs> How far away from you was it? Um, pretty much our doorstep. Uh, <laughs> wow. It came down on both sides of us. So the mountain um, behind me is black and the mountain in front of me is black. But like I said, we were lucky. There's a lot of people still rebuilding. and wow. um, Yeah. Did so you, and I'm sure you had I to evacuate. Lucky. Did it what? I'm sure you had to evacuate then? Oh, yeah, we were evacuated from, um, like, the mid-August to late October, so 
we had all of our hounds and two horses and a cat <laughs> um, to go with us. So it was an interesting, interesting summer. Wow. So, I mean, you've got a different view than you're used to now uh, from last mm-hmm. summer. And is there anything that's going on? Um, you're just letting nature take its course and regenerate itself? Yeah, pretty much. Uh, there's not a whole lot we can do. Um, it's just pretty black out there. So we'll just wait and see what it looks like. There was another big fire back in 2012, and this one kind of ran into the old burn scar of that one. So I'm hoping to get a lot of a lot more rain than we have been getting and kind of reset things, but kind of out of our hands, you know. <laughs> definitely, definitely. But you're certainly lucky. And uh, what's what's the elevation that you're at out there? Oh, uh, we're at about 75, um, 7,500. We hunt a lot higher than that, um, a little bit lower than that sometimes, just depending on where the snow is mm-hmm. and how deep it gets. And uh, really when we're out hunting, the the bobcats and the lions stay pretty out of the big snowpack, so we never really run above, probably above 10,000 at all. Okay. Yeah, I know what 7,500 feet feels like. I was camped at around 8,000 when I was down in New Mexico, and it definitely, I mean, you've been living there, so you're acclimated, but as someone coming from about 900, zero to 900 feet above sea level, it was a change. (laughs) Yeah, well, I went to Seattle a few weeks ago, and I I couldn't handle the, I was ready to get out of the thick air is what I call it, (laughs) that you guys have. Yeah, the humid, (laughs) ready to get back into the thin, thin mountain air. (laughs) Were you also ready to get out of the city, though, too? Um, It wasn't so bad. We were across the bay, and um, we did a little pier fishing and stuff, so it wasn't terribly... We weren't in the city, city, so. Okay. Yeah, I've been to Seattle, <laughs> and it it can be overwhelming, but it's also a really cool city. I mean, the, the fish market and everything there is really neat. But yeah. you yeah. know what I couldn't do is, is the clouds and the rain all the time. Oh, it'd be Yeah, horrible. I was okay with that. It's, yeah. But, yeah, here I'm I'm wishing for clouds and rain. We've been super dry. So you're seeing the drought that everybody else is then. Yeah. Well, I should say not everybody May was else. actually pretty wet, but June hasn't been at all. Mm-hmm. So you've got a little funny farm going on. You said you've got hounds and cats <laughs> and horses. Um, tell us about that. Yeah. So the cat, <laughs> I've just kind of adopted a, a long time ago. She's, you know, her name is Cat, so <laughs> real creative. And then we've got two horses, and the mare's name is Mare, also very creative, gelding his blood. And then hound-wise, we've got a blue tick. Um, he's a he's kind of a mutt. We're not really sure what he is because he has a curly tail. Okay. So that's a question for everyone out there. He's a blue tick, but he has a curly tail like a pig, and we have no idea... Um, we have a, we'd like to call him a band of misfits, but, um, we got him because my dad's friend called him one day and said that his buddy got this puppy and it bit him in the face and his wife won't let him keep it. And so we're like, well, 
we don't have any kids or anything, so we'll try this puppy out. (laughs) Yeah, and it's a puppy. Um, You know, things might happen. Yeah, he was six months old, and I'm like, I'm not sure how you get a six-month-old puppy to bite you is, was my thing. So, um, <laughs> Yeah, unless so, it, was, it was, like, playing or, yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm not sure what happened, but he's our, he's our star right now. We're really excited for this winter with him. What's his and name? And then we have a Catahoula. The, um, the, the blue tick's name? name is Sis, and then we've got another blue tick. But he got slapped by a lion a couple years back, and he I've heard people say it either slaps sense into him or right out of him, and it slaps sense out of this dog. He, he won't run anymore, so he's pretty much a lawn ornament. Mm. Yeah, and then I've got a big fluffy shepherd um, <laughs> just as a, as a cuddler. So I've got quite the mix. Sure, sure. You kind of you. You started out with just kind of getting dogs where wherever they came from. Is that kind of how it happened? <laughs> yeah, my dad also. Um, he was a trapper for a little bit, and then he decided that he wanted to run dogs and kind of just took the first one that was available from Michigan. Um, I forget why it was available so quick, but he took it, and that's his lead dog now. And then he's got two other dogs kind of same thing he's got an older female that a few people again in Michigan just like didn't want to run around bears anymore and uh so we took her and she's a great dog and then he's got another walker coon hound that's um yeah same thing just kind (laughs) of just these dogs that appear at the right times and the good dogs come to us, it, it seems to be that way. And we've always kind of had that mentality. It's like the right one will come along when, it, mm-hmm. when it's time for it, too. So we never actually go out searching for, like, a dog. Right. Um, I know that's really kind of odd, but <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> um, that's just it, how our little band of misfits was created. And you might be really in, well. like, the the 5% or the 1% of people that do that in the the hound hunter community. And then, you know, there's there's the people that are, you know, looking, not so mm-hmm. much big game hunters, but looking at papers and, you know, wanting a cross and waiting a year for it or, you know, what have you. But, you know, from what you're doing, it it means, like, you can make a dog. And even dogs that come from, like, weird situations or you just pick up here and there, that doesn't mean that it, it's not worth anything. Yeah, the the best thing you can do for a dog is time and just take it out as much as you possibly can. And you just watch them get better and better. And there's, of course, um, our pack, you know, there's the lead dog, and he's pretty much the only one that you could run by himself and actually expect to catch anything. And then they kind of trickle off from there until, you know, we have a couple really good pack dogs, but you can't expect them to, like, catch a bobcat by themselves. Mm -hmm. Um so, <laughs> yeah, and but they started out just like, you know, um, not wanting to, not, a couple of them, just doing the young dog thing of, like, not wanting to make it all the way to the tree, you know, and come back and everything. And you just got to take them out over and over and over again and prove to them. Our biggest thing out here is proving to your dogs that you will come find them is okay. what I've noticed. Because... Um, 
our dogs, because of the terrain out here, we've had dogs keep a lion in a tree for, I think, one was in the tree for six hours before we got to it. So the biggest challenge is letting your dogs um, know that you stay underneath there and I will come get you. Mm -hmm. Like you will be at that tree. It's a big confidence thing. Mm -hmm. Definitely. So I want to kind of back up a little bit because, you know, you mentioned your dad kind of just got a dog that was available and he was a trapper first. And I think your story kind of starts with his story. Yeah. And, um, (laughs) you know, maybe how he grew up, how he became an outdoorsman. And I, I think what you mentioned is you kind of got into it a little bit later because of what he was doing and you thought it was really cool. Yeah, so when I moved to Colorado, I was only like three, I think. Um, he followed a job out here, and then he started rifle hunting, which turned into archery hunting, which turned into doing all the small game stuff on top of the big game stuff. And then um, he always trapped in Michigan, uh, like muskrats and stuff like that. But out here in Colorado, uh, those traps are illegal, unfortunately. I could go on a freaking tangent about that stuff. We but, will. Um, <laughs> we will. <laughs> uh, it's only cage traps here in Colorado now, so like box traps. So we eventually decided, I was probably in like early high school at this point, to try cage trapping. And he got really good at that. And then he's like, well, and this was when bobcat prices were really, really good, when fur prices were up. And he's like, well, I could catch more bobcats if I had a dog. And then he got a dog. <laughs> and then um, then he got another dog. And after I graduated and moved out for a couple of years, I really missed it. And that's really when I went back um, and got into the hounds more and got into pretty much all hunting more. And now I'm kind of like doing the same thing, but he set me up, you know, way further. He started out here with just rifle elk hunting and I'm starting at running dogs and trapping and doing all of the above. So, um, yeah, he set me up good, me and my sister, and we're pretty excited. Oh, so your sister uh, gets in on the action too? Yeah, she's a, we we call her a brute. She's a tough one. Oh. Um, she's six years younger than me, but she's just tough as nails. And she's um, she actually never really took a break from the hunting or anything like I did. She was just always there for it. So, um, yeah, yep, she's there too. That's awesome. So she gets in there and and handles dogs and all that. And are any of the dogs considered hers? Um, I, hers and my dad's, yeah. like I said, she's six years younger, so she's still, um, uh, she just turned 19, so she's okay. still, uh, around the house a lot more than I am, but not like hers, hers, they're, it's kind of, you know, they're all they're partners on it, they're partners <laughs> um, on it, but it but sounds yeah. like you've got the one blue tick with the curly tail, and what's his name? His name is Hiram. Hiram. Um, yeah, it came from an old song, <laughs> and I I couldn't tell I'm you I'm not trashing song. the name at all. I like interesting names, and when you're calling that name, you're not going to mix it up with any other dog like I do with mine. I get through like three names when I finally get to the right one sometimes. Yeah, well, <laughs> my boyfriend has a CD in his truck that he plays every time before we go hunting, and it's from one of those songs. 
he always said if it, when he got another hound, it was going to be named Hiram. So it was picked out for a long time. Yeah, so you've got Hiram, <laughs> and then you've got the Catahoula, who I assume yep. goes out with you guys? Yeah, her name is Sis. She's a good pack dog. She'll, she's fast. She um, Her specialty is she will keep up with whoever is running fastest mm. um <laughs> so i mean you can imagine if it's on trash or like a moose or something that's not that great but <laughs> if it is something good if it's a lion um or a bobcat she w- can always be found with the lead um whoever's leading that's um, good like you know you know if her collar quits or something like oh well well she's with the lead dog like we're we know we're actually we're gonna get her. the opposite happened oh. um one time but yeah so she's always with the lead dog, and what the, our lead dog's collar went out. And it went out once, and we didn't go hunt for a couple of days, and we tried it again because it, it came up just fine, and we had him for the first 50 yards, and then it shut off. And then Sis's collar was running out in front. And we're like, well, Sis wouldn't run out in front by herself, so she's got to be with the lead dog. She's got to be a skunk. So that gives you a lot of, it was, it was calming. It was really good to know, you know, where your lead dog was, even though he's, his collar wasn't working. Right. So, That's yeah. a nice backup. <laughs> um, you're, you're talking about trash and moose. Do moose go fast? I, I haven't had experience <laughs> with them. Um, yeah. Can't they be scary? And then I, you know, I don't know what it is about moose, but even our lead dog, like I said, if, if they're kind of funny. If you put them on something good to run, then they don't want moose. But if you take them out like a handful of times and never get them on something good to run, they'll get bored and they'll be like, well, a moose works. <laughs> and we, like, well, there's we don't no good why. tracks around we, here. Maybe someone out there can tell me why, too, because, I, I mean, they know better. Right. But when they get bored enough and if you don't have anything better for them to run, they'll go. And we've talked back and forth about theories about why, whether it's something about the scent or if it's um, the fact that they can actually catch up to it so they actually see it as like a reward. Um, I don't know why. But, <laughs> yeah, they can go for a long time. But they like moose when they're bored. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, I think downfall. that I think maybe that... it's just maybe it's just my pack. I don't I don't know. <laughs> I think that happens. I mean, it, it's different for you guys. You're free casting all the time. You know, you don't you don't have baits out like people do in Wisconsin and Michigan for bear. Um you're not necessarily roading dogs all the time. You're kind of hiking into the country it sounds like. And Yeah. If you don't come across a track and, yeah, maybe there was a moose just 50 yards in front of them and they're like, well, we haven't found anything today, so let's get our exercise. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and that's what happens. But they don't do it with deer. They don't do do it with elk. It's just something about the moose. So. <laughs> that's really interesting. <laughs> and you can tell when you're watching the GPS, the they'll start acting different. Um you know, instead of moving slow and doing, like, weird circly things like a cat, they'll just, like, line out. Mm-hmm. You're like, oh, that's not good. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> so. Yeah, that's yeah. the nice yeah. thing about those GPSs is you can tell pretty quick when they're on trash. And yep. um, it's it's definitely helpful. 
And then at some point I'm watching it and I'm like, do I shock them? Do I not shock them? Like, are they going to stop? I, yeah. You know, sometimes, right. <laughs> sometimes I'm just that person that's like, no, nah, let's just see what happens. Let's, let's see what it is, you know? And I, you know, I've uh, been in country where I'm like, I honestly don't know what it is. It could be a deer. It could be a fox. I mean, I've never ran a fox, but you know, they're out there. It could be a uh, fisher. We're I curious you know. about pine martin. Okay. <laughs> yeah, we were wondering if pine martin would tree. I would assume yeah. so because they spend a lot of time in trees. Yeah, but... I, I was in a hunt, and I don't remember what state it was. It was back when I was doing, like, UKC stuff. Um, and the dogs treed in this, like, row of pine trees in the middle of this prairie. And the the guy who was guiding us, he'd be like, he was like, yeah, there's a lot of pine martin out here. They're kind of, yeah. that might be a pine martin. <laughs> and I'm like, what? <laughs> They're cute little things, and I mean, there's an open season for them. Um, they're not worth much right now, but nothing is. It's yeah. just more of a curiosity thing, I guess. <laughs> and we'll pick up that conversation right after this word from our sponsor. Houndsman XP is very proud of our partnership with the organization Freedom Hunters. Freedom Hunters is a nonprofit organization that takes America's veterans hunting from field to field, from the battlefield to a field near you when you volunteer your time to take America's warriors hunting with you and your hounds. It's easy. Go to houndsmanxp.com, click on the partnership tab, and it will take you to Freedom Hunters. You can go direct to their website to make donations at freedomhunters.org. Support America's heroes. Let's pay it back. Visit Freedom Hunters at freedomhunters.org or go to houndsmanxp.com and you can find them on our website from field to field. And now back to the show. So, um, yeah, let's get into like some, some hunting stuff. Um, so it's usually, I'm guessing like your dad, you, your sister, your boyfriend, is that like your main hunting posse? Or any combination of okay. any of those, yeah. <laughs> so it just depends who has time off work, um, who can get away, really. Mm-hmm. And if it's a good day, it's all four of us. Um, and then one weird thing in Colorado, I guess it's not really weird, but how the law is written is you have to have an active tag, an active mountain lion tag to pursue a mountain lion, which makes sense. Um, so usually we don't actually shoot and so we invite people along cousins or friends or whatever as as what we call shooters (laughs) so that um we don't have to burn our tag so i've actually only shot one lion um in all my years of hunting my dad's never shot a lion but he's treed a a lot so (laughs) it's uh, interesting that way and and you're only going out and using your dogs on cats, whether it's bobcat or lion, because, I mean, we can get on into the fu- funkiness of um, Colorado and their laws, but you cannot, uh, as a civilian, chase bears, Yeah, even though no, there is a can't. bear problem. Yeah, we can't do bears. And we rarely run into a bear track. Um, I actually never have ran into a bear track when we're hunting lions or bobcats anyway. Oh, they're jumped uh, up, I'm assuming, at that point. 
Yeah, they're sleeping somewhere. But it would be fun. You know, you'd get to run your dogs a lot more, and I wouldn't be opposed to it at all. And I know there's people that, like, specialize. Like, um, their bear dogs are bear dogs, and their bobcat dogs are bobcat dogs. But we'd like to... (laughs) <laughs> we'd like to try anything on our dogs we're a little bit more that's kind of the way I am casual <laughs> and you know I'm I'm getting started out in this I haven't been doing it too long like four or five years and you know maybe as I get older and who knows have more help around um I'll be able to keep more dogs and have some dogs just specialize in th- certain things but right now it's it's raccoon and bear and we tried a little bit of cat stuff out in New Mexico and I'm not expecting them to excel or anything at any time I take them out on cat because they never really see them um, around yeah. here but it's just yeah you can get your dogs out so much more yeah and that's why we're doing it anyway right Cause exactly yeah <laughs> we're, we're, yeah yeah why would I go out and, and tree raccoon you know nine months out of the year and not shoot them yeah. Because I don't. You know, it's because I just like getting out there. And, you know, we have yeah. a whole training season just for bears in Wisconsin, which starts so in like a week here uh, as we're recording this. So that'll be fun. Um, so we're getting back to cat hunting. And when when are you typically doing that? Like what months? And what months is it open, I guess? Yeah, so lion starts usually the weekend after um, all rifle seasons have ended, or most rifle seasons have ended. There's still a few, like, private land tags and stuff kicking around. But um, so lion season starts the last, like, the tail end of November, and it always changes. And then bobcat season starts the 1st of December and goes all the way through the end of February. So only three months hmm. is all that is on Bobcat. And, and then your trip? lion goes until the end of April. Okay. So it's a pretty long season, um, but you just got to depend so much on snow. Yeah. Uh, or our dogs do anyway. The pup that we have right now, we're actually really hoping that sometimes he can work out some dry uh, ridges for us because he's got he's got a really good nose but that's asking a lot for a dog in Colorado because everything's so dry yeah um it would be <laughs> it would be something else if he could do that but I know some dogs do it so that that'll be fun so it really just depends on snow and what you're personally doing you know between work and school and stuff how much you can get out and get your dogs out sure and for the bobcat um does that season that you mention, it's for both running hounds and trapping, or is there a separate yeah. trapping season? No, uh, bobcat season is just for any method to take for bobcat. So even if you run across one, um, just out there in okay. those three months. And I've, I've got more questions, too. And, you know, there's a lot of people that hunt out there. And mm-hmm. apologies to anyone that's listening that knows all this already, but I don't. <laughs> but does Colorado is obviously probably split up into zones. And let's say your zone quota is met. I'm guessing it's split up into zones, right? Yeah. So, yeah, it is. It's split up into game management units is mm-hmm. what they call them here. And then, you're, yeah, same. It's, it's a quota system. So if you kill a lion, you report it, and then they drop the quota down by one, and you're required to look at that lion quota at least um, after 5 p.m. the day before your hunt. So we usually 
do that before we go to bed, look up that quota. And then our reset date is kind of weird because all of our fishing licenses, small game licenses, all the year-round stuff um, re-ups at the end of March. Same here. Um, so so does the, the lion tag. So the April season is actually the start of all the quotas and everything. Oh. So the April season, everything resets, and you get to hunt areas that were closed down in March. Sure. Okay. And um, do zones around you close quickly, or do you usually not run out of time or lions, I should say? Um, <laughs> like, you know, how far are you going to it's hunt? Just, it depends on the year. It's Sometimes they close pretty quick. Um, the ones west of us closed really fast. The people here, most of us seem to be on the same page of getting our dogs out is more important. Mm -hmm. So you'll see them drop um, a couple, like, really fast in the first month. But then it'll sit at a quota of, like, two for a really long time until, like, nearing the end of season. And I really do think that's all the hunters acknowledging everybody wants to still run their dogs right which and is neat hey guys um, don't shoot a female we still have we still want to get our dogs out yeah so here it doesn't matter if you shoot oh. a female or a male um it's the same either way and do you yeah, think there's kind it, of an understanding in people here. though like management wise what might be a better thing to do what's that do you think there's an understanding among the houndsmen though um, oh, yeah. Of, of, yeah. you know, management-wise, what's better to do? Yeah. I Not very many people take females at all, unless it's like an outfitter and they have um, someone paying big money, they'll take a female. Um, really, there's just a lot of lions here, okay. and you just don't need that um, <laughs> to put that hammer down on the, on the population here because there are a lot of cats. Sure. And they'll just move right sure. back in. So I, I honestly believe that the population's healthy enough that if you took all the quota as female, it wouldn't. <laughs> I don't. I don't think it would do much. Uh, now, obviously, year after year, you can't do that. But that's why I think they don't worry about it here. Um, we just have a healthy enough population that it's not going to matter, mm-hmm. um, which is really good. But that being said, uh, yeah, we don't. We don't take females. So when you're talking about a healthy lion population, um, how is that correlating to what you're seeing, you know, for the deer and elk and moose? What do you think? Um, I mean, they definitely follow them around. Uh, <laughs> we call them baits. Oh, okay. <laughs> we'll be driving around looking for a track and we'll be like, there's some bait. Um, <laughs> so they're where they're at. Uh, uh, I, I think we've got our... A wildlife um, officers and wildlife management system is really great in Colorado. Um, I I think we do a really good job between the lion quotas and the hunting seasons and everything like that, keeping those balances really, really good. Uh, There's some areas down south that are harder to do because they'll open up the lion quota to like 50 but there's so much private land there that you could never actually get there. Yeah. And uh, so up here where there's a lot of public lands, it's um, easier for hunters to manage 
the fires did a weird thing to us, though. The <laughs> the Forest Service actually still has the National Forest closed up here, which I have my opinions about. But um... well, we can get into those if you want to get into those. Like that's what this is about. <laughs> yeah. So uh, after the fire. And it's interesting because, like, there was a fire in Wyoming that was almost just as big, and their land is open already. Like, they didn't shut it down for near as long, and that's just because they have a different person in charge. And our person is saying that he's going to keep these national forest lands closed for another two to five years. And they have signs up all over the place saying, forest closed to all users. And I think it's just kind of... Yeah. So have they provided any logic on that? Because, For the safety of the people, you know, there's rock slides everywhere. There's trees falling over. And, but really it's like, you're going to protect, or you're going to say that you're going to protect the public from these wild places. Like should be a use at your own risk in my opinion. Well, it kind of is. Um, Yeah. I mean, we're we're not going to sue the government if, you know, a, a tree falls on us. Because no. you can't go well, around the forest and, like, find every Widowmaker tree and be like, oh, yeah. let's put an orange sign on this one. Watch out. Stay 50 feet away. Yeah. So it's it's interesting, especially running dogs, because, like, there's one road that, like, one side of the road's open, one side of the road's closed. And once you let your dogs out, even if you, and we tried really hard in the beginning, like right after the fire, we're like, okay, since the forest is closed, we're only going to run on this side. But like, if your dogs run onto the, they, they don't know. Right. Your dogs don't know. Neither do the lions. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. Interesting. And there's a pretty hefty fine and everything. So it's just, a, it's a pain. You got to go areas that, I mean, the fire went through all our really good bobcat spots and a lot of good lion territory. Mm-hmm. So we're doing more walking into places. We always try to drive roads first just out of laziness. And then <laughs> if we've driven the roads or if someone else is driving the roads, then we'll walk into somewhere. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're doing a lot more walking in the Are, open areas and stuff. So were you mostly, it looks like it's going to be another year of that. Yeah, were you mostly looking for tracks when you're driving the roads, or do you have a rig dog? Uh, it's all tracks. Um, okay. Hiram, <laughs> he's a little noise box. He barks at everything he smells. So we're that, so not that's gonna not going to work. <laughs> it's going to be a task this year. And me and my dad, like <laughs> when we're mad at Hiram because he's a puppy, he's just freaking crazy, bouncing off the walls. Dad's like, I'll sell you to someone in the South that can run deer because he'll just open up when he smells anything, including deer. Mm-hmm. So, in which he's howling right now, and I don't, I don't know when. <laughs> I just heard him in the. Oh, there he is. Heard him I in the background. Oh no, I do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's screaming at something. I think it's a chipmunk. <laughs> but um, <laughs> yeah. So this year, I think I'm gonna try and rein that in a little bit, you know. Um, but the hard part is, I don't want to stop him from rigging anything i don't want to tell him to be quiet in the box all the time yeah i don't i don't think you will and and give him that opportunity to you know you'll find a track and maybe you'll you know double check like okay this is legit and he's rigging on it you know praise him up um Mm -hmm. and other stuff you'll be able to check you know see that it's a deer track and you can shut him up and they'll learn and 
that's the part that like so I've got some tips on um it's just going to be time consuming because like if you shut him up in the box without him like putting his eye on the track it's it he might just stop bang all together but if you take the time to pull over show him the track and say this is what you don't bark at and put him back in mm-hmm. um it's it's going to be a lot better for him because he'll know that like you don't bark at this track and yeah. hopefully he'll connect the it's, visual with the scent and being like that's time not what I'm consuming for. for sure um I kind of set my dogs up for failure or success whatever you call it by you know <laughs> actually taking them out and looking for deer and mm-hmm. seeing if they take that track and if they do they're going to get fried and they yeah. come right back so you know, and they're doing that off scent, you know, I'll, I won't send them on a deer that they can just see. So, mm-hmm. you know, you're kind of doing the same thing with a the track there and, you know, I'm yep. no expert, but that's just what I've been doing. And I know they're going to rig on a deer when I'm up in Wisconsin, you know, trying to rig driving down the roads for bear. I know it's going to happen, but you can tell really quick, you know, you can see the track in the sand road and yeah. Yeah. And hopefully, um, I can tell, I know what Piper sounds like, and Piper really doesn't rig on deer. Um, and when she rigs bear, I, I know, but to tell the, the difference in the bark between my one and a half year olds from deer to bear, if it sounds any different, I don't know. It's going to be a fun learning year for all of us. I'll tell you that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Us too. He's going to be, he's a, he was born in like November, which is a weird time, but he'll be two in November. So he's still pretty young. Yeah. Yeah, my, the one and a half year olds I mentioned, I guess they're a little older than that now. Oh, they grow up so fast. Uh, mm-hmm. They'll turn two at, right at the end of August. So yeah. ours are pretty close in age. Yeah. yeah. Hiram and my, my two little, I, I can't say the word, but <laughs> they're not bad. <laughs> they just are sometimes. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Rum is funny. We call him Rum for short. Um, He's been a good dog, and our dogs are pretty spoiled, too. They're they're house hounds, Mm -hmm. Um, (laughs) and that's just because we don't, I mean, we don't have very many of them. One of our dogs stays out in a pretty big kennel, and we bring them in at night, but the other two are like bed dogs. They sleep in bed with us at night, (laughs) and it's a little crazy. But <laughs> no, I can't you know help it. In fact, in fact, we use it as a reward. Um, if they catch a cat, they get to sleep in the bed. If they don't catch a cat, then they're outside the room and they're probably sleeping on the couch anyway. But <laughs> but you, we all know that they prefer the bed. Like mine are inside dogs. Actually, they've mostly been living outside for the past month and a little bit though, because I want to get them acclimated to hot weather. Um, mm-hmm. just so they're more, they're ready to hunt in this dumb Wisconsin weather we've got during training season for bear. Um, and you know, all, all you guys that do have just outside hounds, I get it. I get why you yeah. do it because, yeah. you know, I'm really enjoying having the whole bud to myself in a quiet house and, and some of them stink too. Like that's why our <laughs> one outside hound is pretty much an outside hound is because he's just got that hound funk to yeah. him so bad. <laughs> did your dad's so dog? Got... Did your dad's dog Skunk get his name for a reason? No, <laughs> his his favorite dog growing up was named Frog, 
Um, so I, I think he's just got a weird thing about naming his dogs after animals. <laughs> but, yeah, his dogs are pretty spoiled, too. He made them a dog house that's big enough. It has, like, a double-decker couch, and <laughs> it has, oh like, my- a man door and a window. And so they get to stay in that um, overnight, and then they're just house dogs in the daytime, too. So yeah, he got a pretty uh- spoiled pack. Those dogs have, like, a pretty princess playhouse, is what it sounds like. You know, like those dads that build their daughters, like, castles? Yep, yep. He he built the dogs a castle. Yeah, yeah, he definitely <laughs> did. It's pretty funny. And then they've got even, like, a hanging heater in there, and Dad's got, like, one of those thermometers that'll tell him the temperature of the dog house, mm-hmm. like, in the, in the house. So he can tell if it's getting too cold or too warm in there. It's it's pretty cute. I'm not gonna lie. I do have in the winter. I do have thermometers in my dog houses with, with like yeah. the remote viewer inside. Just you know, peace of mind. <laughs> yeah, peace of mind. So let's let's talk about um, the mountain lion that you got. Uh, was that that was with your your guys's dogs? Yeah, Hiram wasn't around yet. Um, this was two years ago, so we didn't have Hiram yet. But it was it was a really fun hunt. We were, I think we drove roads, and then I believe that other people were on the roads. So it, that's always, like, somewhat discouraging. If you find yourself behind someone, you're like, well, I'm never going to find a track behind the, like, <laughs> people. Like they're they're going to find first. the good ones first. <laughs> yeah, so we went um, walking in. And we were, we were really good actually about keeping the dogs with us. And if we saw a track in the snow up above us, um, we would send like a scout out. We would have one person go and, uh, check it out, see what it was, if it was anything worth running or not. And that person would report back. But then, um, (laughs) we came up over this hill and we saw a moose. And we had my boyfriend and I, his Catahoula was pretty young um, at the time. So we're like, what is, what are all these dogs going to do about this moose? Like, let's just watch him for a second. And, and it was like standing in the road that we were walking on. So we were just kind of like walking towards it, but we were watching the moose. And then my dad's lead dog, Skunk, just blows up. <laughs> I mean, he just bays <laughs> and he takes off. And we're like, oh, frick, like, what was that? <laughs> and and not after the moose, uh, oh, in the opposite okay. direction. He takes off in the opposite direction. We're like, what's going on? You know, Dad doesn't ever shock him if he doesn't know what's going on. Mm-hmm. And um, we look down, and there's this lion track. And we're like, oh, shoot. <laughs> <laughs> Did you walk then, right over it? <laughs> yeah, I got distracted by a moose. But yeah. the cool thing was um, we would have never ran the track if we – saw it in the first place because my dad looks at it and he panics right away he starts yelling at the dogs that it's too old like and they know that as a command like too old don't do it it's, this isn't the one too old and he's screaming at him too old <laughs> and you can just hear him baying like back to him like nope sorry dad we're going <laughs> we got this one i'm saying it's fresh and, enough uh, we go yeah, so at this point, we were like, well, this might be like a really long run because um, that's an old, older track. And <laughs> they had the thing treed about a mile and a half away is all. Oh. 
Well, yeah, yeah, they treat it really fast. <laughs> we were impressed, too. We were like, what the hell? But it had, there was a couple things going on. It had slept in the creek bottom uh, the whole night before, so they bounced it out of its bed, and then when we got up to the cat, it, both of its hind legs were, um, I don't know what had happened. It probably got into a scrap with another tom, but they were both injured and pretty infected, so he wasn't fast moving. Mm. <laughs> but, yeah, so they took off on that, and it took them not very long to get them treed, but the mountain that cat went up <laughs> in the snow that was there, it took us four hours to cover that mile and a half. Wow. So it was Was it deep real snow? Deep snow, really steep stuff. Four hours to get to the cat. Um <laughs> and then it ended up being a shooter. I I held out for a bigger one. Um I don't know how much he weighed. We don't weigh um our cats, but we would guess about one fifty. Okay. Well, yeah. and if he was injured and infected, like, that was probably a good one to take out of the population anyway. Yeah, yeah. And, I mean, we didn't know that um, until we started skinning him out, okay. you know. But, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it was it was fun. We got up there and we are like, oh, dang, like, that's, like, not how we expected things to go. But it was great. Um, the dogs did awesome. And I shot it with an old uh, 30-30. I was going to ask what what you used and how far do you think you were away from the cat? Oh, right underneath the tree. He okay. wasn't up there that far. Um, well, and that's kind of funny too because me and my dad kind of looked at each other and he likes to film um, my sister's shots on all of her animals, yeah, but she's a really good shot. <laughs> I am not. Um, I'm really good archery, not so good with a rifle. I don't know why. I think I just get, like, buck fever and whatnot. So I give him, like, a complete warning shot first. So Dad and I both looked at each other, and we are like, no, we're not going to film this. But the shot I made was perfect. So now we're, like, wishing that we did film it because it dropped and it was done real fast. Yeah. But, (laughs) yeah, and even my Well, congrats on your second shot. shot. What's that? Congrats on your second shot. (laughs) <laughs> well, it was the first shot on this cat. Oh, okay. Um, I thought you gave yeah, it a warning shot. Yeah, I give warning shot. shots to, like, um, all my other big, animal, big game animals I've shot, like uh, my deer and my elk. Um, with the rifle, I've just, like, completely missed first. I did miss a bobcat once, too. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, so we were expecting that to happen, and it didn't. It was a first shot, first kill, just down real fast. Mm-hmm. But um, my boyfriend was... I shot off his shoulder, and uh, he was super cute. He had his pistol out, even, and he was all prepared <laughs> for that cat to... <laughs> you, I mean, no matter what, like, you should... I, I, I believe in a backup shooter, just in case, but... Yeah, yeah. Yep. It was it was a good, good he, shot. You shot back. right off his shoulder. Was he wearing ear protection? No. <laughs> <laughs> I shot my first elk off my dad's shoulder and shot my first lion off of my boyfriend's shoulder. So they, it was good to have them both there. Sure, sure, tradition. <laughs> um, with how deep yeah. the snow was, do you guys wear um, snowshoes or anything? Or you we just bring snowshoes, um, but no, this time we didn't. It was kind of that, oh, the, the snow wasn't deep at all. 
um, on one side of the slope. And on the other side of the slope, when it was in the shade, it would be like crotch deep. Oh, my so, goodness. <laughs> yeah. So, <laughs> um, yeah. So, like, the south-facing slopes were, when we were coming back down, were really slippery because they were almost bare and the snow was melting, so it was slick. Mm-hmm. But the north-facing slope was, like I said, like crotch deep snow. And that's, Yeah. <laughs> I mean, do snowshoes even tough, help tough in that? Hike. Like at that point, I don't know. I've never been in snow that deep in my life. I don't think. Yeah, and then that was—I mean—that's just from where we um, took the track. We were already um, probably about a m- another mile or mile and a half into that road. So, mm-hmm. yeah. So you you got your cat. You know, it's down. It's expired right away. Um, you get your picture, your grip and grin. Um, what's, what's, we'll talk about that later. Um, what's the next step? How do you get that cat out of there? Do you gut it and all that first? We actually ended up just quartering this one out. Like it was a big game animal. Um, yeah, so (laughs) I, I've worked for a taxidermist too. So I was pretty familiar with, um, cutting animals up and everything. So I did pretty much the cutting and, um. Yeah. What you do with the hide? I it's off being tanned right now. Okay. I yeah. Thank goodness I sent it in before the fire came through because we lost power for so long that <gasps> that would have been oh wow terrible yeah. to lose that cat. But for some reason, I took it to the taxidermist shop that I used to work at, like right before <laughs> the fires came through. So I'm thankful for that. Whatever. Whatever made me do that. Yeah, what's your what's your plan with it once you get it back? Um, I got it, like, garment tanned, so it'll okay. be super malleable and soft, so I can do whatever I want with it, um, because I don't know. <laughs> okay. I don't know what I'm going to do with it. My boyfriend already has his cat, his lion, mounted in our front entryway, and it's a bit bigger. It's like a 200-pound cat. So I don't know if I want to, like, hang it on a wall somewhere or if we ever get like a really cool headboard maybe like roll it over that i'm yeah. not sure I'm there's open to plenty of options when you do get it garment tanned i mean i've got 25 raccoon hanging just in my living room right now that i'm like mm-hmm. i don't know what i want to do with them yeah so yeah. i know how that goes i mean who knows you know if and when i get a lion what I'll want to do with it. I think it all depends on how much money I have saved at the time. Yeah. And how much space you have. Yeah. We're running out of space so fast in this house. (laughs) Yeah. But yeah, I've got um, one thing I do have that I'm pretty proud of. I got my first Bobcat garment tanned. So I wear it like all winter. So that's, and it's a wall hanging during the summer. Mm -hmm. So you just kind of make it into a, a scarf. Is that what you do? The bobcat I did, yeah. Yeah, Um, yeah. That's what I I did with uh, a really good coon of mine this winter. And I went hunting and it was negative something temperatures. And I wrapped that mm -hmm. thing around my neck and kind of put a clip on it. And it was amazing. I was like, why do more people not do this? I know. Like, they don't know what they're missing. Like, (laughs) I'll wear that bobcat. Um, walking around and I'm just like walking in a long sleeve shirt in that bobcat and everyone else is in like parkas and car hearts and <laughs> I'm like happy as can be just mm-hmm. in my bobcat scarf and I like, and I dang. think 
it's just the stigma that's been put on fur, but people don't really know that the truth about it is it's the most eco-friendly and most sustainable, you know, clothing and warmest (laughs) out there. I like people don't get that fake fur, um, is just plastic and it's never going to deteriorate and does it hold warmth? Not really. It blocks a little bit of wind, but fur is, it has that, the guard hairs and the, like the undercoat. And it's just so much better at that. Yeah. And like, just, I mean, there's so much we can go into, you know, these animals are going to die anyway, whether it's coyotes or malnourishment or whatever. We're fighting that fight, fighting that fight hard here in Colorado. Um, Mm -hmm. It's been a couple years of a uh, couple and uh, just people like um, Humane Society of the United States and PETA and a couple random local people coming in to the Wildlife Commission. A couple of years ago, they tried to end all bobcat hunting, just like end the killing of bobcats in the whole state. That didn't go through. So this past year, only a couple months ago, they tried to end cage trapping as well. Um because that's the only kind of trapping we can do now. And uh, yeah, <laughs> they tried let's, to end that. Let's get into the nitty-gritty of, um, you know, what's going on in Colorado and obviously across um, the lower 48 and uh, United yeah. States, everywhere. Um, we can, we yeah, can start so with Colorado. I think the scary part of all of this to me is, when they make these moves, like when they come to the Wildlife Commission, they know very well that it's not going to go through. But what they're doing is getting practice and getting their vocabulary down and meeting the associations that, like the Cattlemen's Association and the Trappers Associations that are going to be opposing them. Mm-hmm. So even though they're pushing these like radical um, initiatives and ballot issues or whatever they're pushing next, uh, they're just sizing us up. They're just making the Cattlemen's Association spend money on their last one. That's what I was going to say. They're um, they're finding their enemy and they're draining us early. Yeah, and they know that it's not going to go through, and then it doesn't go through, and everybody's like, yeah, we beat it. And I'm like, do you think they lost? They didn't even wink at that. Like, (laughs) they're now, they now know you, and they're going to put that ratchet on is what I always preach. It's, it's going to be a ratchet effect um, for everyone until probably it's probably going to go on forever. And I hope it goes on forever because they're never going to stop. And if it goes on forever, then we're, then <laughs> we're we still have something like to cling to at that point. Um, but yeah, it's, it's ridiculous. Um, these huge associations, like, they're never going to stop. So if they end trapping here, just like they ended trapping in New Mexico, they're just going to go to the next state, and they're going to try to push through something super radical and seal out the political environment, and they have political analysis it's on the payroll, and they can look at things and be like, uh, yeah, so this state reacted this way to this, so um, let's wait on them for a little bit, and let's try the same tactic that we tried to push here. Let's try it in this state over here. And it's tough because, like, what are we supposed to do? Just, like, not fight it? That's not the answer either. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, I'm not saying that, like, it's worthless to 
stand against them because we definitely need to, obviously, but it's just not as simple as pushing them away once. I guess. Yeah. And, and you talked about like the, I mean, the political analysis of it and that's where we're at when, when things shift in states, they know when that state is more vulnerable and when they can push things through. Um, and that's why it's so important to go out and vote, even in your little tiny elections. And yeah, I, it's like, come on, yeah. people, do you get it? <laughs> I know. Like, <laughs> and at this point, it's like we're beating a dead horse. It's like how I feel um, when I'm talking to people saying that we need to like band together and vote. And so I tried to come at it from a different perspective, like you saw in my lives the other night. Um, and why I kind of told you guys that I really like you asking the question, like, why do you hunt to people? Because that question can go a lot further than I think a lot of us are taking it. Um, instead of being like, because I get the experience, you know, I get to experience things that like you don't. Yeah, if you're and talking that's kind to of the route that I was saying. That's kind of the route that I took when I, you know, was on the spot and answered that question. And then I saw your live. I'm like, whoa, she's so <laughs> right. So get into that. Let tell us what what we should do when people is like people are like, well, why do you bear hunt? Why do you even hunt? Why do you kill raccoons? Why do you, you know, hunt with your dogs? So- yeah, so first of all, I try to get a feel for whether they're generally, um, genuinely asking or if they're trying to put me on the defense or if they're actually, like, interested in it. And so you just got to ask them back, like, well, what do you want to know about it? Do you want to know, like, the core of me, why I hunt? Or do you want to know um, why I'm killing these animals because you think it's wrong in some way? Because I have different answers. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Um, and they're all the same answer all the time, and we can get um, to more people with different answers. So if, if you know, if that makes sense. I'm not sure if that came out right. Just feel the vibe. Um, feel yeah, the vibe. so, like, um, usually I ask them back, you know, like, well, what do you want to know about it? And usually if they're trying to get me to go on the defense, I try to get them to that side. So I try to pull out some research um, research articles, biology, ecology, um, conservation, the amount of money that hunters put into it um, sometimes works, you know. (laughs) With dogs, a really cool thing to research is uh, the wildlife-human conflict uh, Mm -hmm. issues. So it's been proven, um, and I wish I could, like, drop a link in a podcast, but I can't. Uh, (laughs) If if you send it to me, we can put it in the description. Okay. Um, I'll try to find the right article, but anyway, uh, it's in Washington and a guy is doing some really cool research about how mountain lion hunting with hounds actually, uh, lessens human wildlife conflicts. Cause if you run a lion with a hound, it knows, um, to stay away from people cause it didn't like that. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and, and that's not killing the lion. That's just running it. Yeah, mm-hmm. Exactly. So, like here in Colorado, um, there's not a lot of human-wildlife conflicts. Um, There's been a few with bears, but we can't run bears with hounds. It's illegal. And the places that have the mountain lion conflicts are all private lands on the front range where you can't run hounds there either. Um, 
but you very rarely hear about a lion getting in trouble with people in an area that dogs and hounds are ran. Um, so if you want to connect that and really get after the people that are like anti-predator hunting or whatever, it's like in California and Oregon, you can't shoot a mountain lion. California, you can't run hounds. You can't kill a mountain lion. There's no season. But if that mountain lion causes conflict with a human, it's going to get killed anyway. Same thing. So with would you rather me haze all the mountain lions so that they behave around people? And of course, all the numbers that we take, the quota that we take, are management based. Or do you want them getting in trouble and getting killed by the government? Well, and, <laughs> and then us- you can take that a step further and say, like, if you make this illegal, who are the gun- government houndsmen going to be? If you made it illegal, no one's going to get into it. No one's going to get passionate about it enough to fill that government position. So, <laughs> Yeah, there'll be none of us left to help when, when they really yeah. do need help. And exactly. even if there are us left, um, you know, like there are some now, instead of us paying the government and, you know, uh, paying towards conservation, flora and fauna, restoration, all of that, the economy, what have you, us putting money into the system, they're taking money out of the system to kill animals. Yep. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. Like with bears, <laughs> I, I tell that to people all the time, you know, like I can't run my dogs on bear, but if there's a problem bear, my licensees are the one paying to euthanize that bear. Like, <laughs> mm-hmm. how does that make sense to you? Um, yeah, and, and another thing that I didn't really say in my live, and I've been thinking about making another video of it, is like people saying that they love the experience of it and everything, like, might work with some people. And, and if that's why you hunt, that's awesome. Like, I'm not trying to make everyone this, like, deep philosophical, um, like, being, but just know your audience and know who you're talking to and try to be uh, respective to that, I guess, because even the connection to food, like I mentioned, like, is a really good one for some people. Like, the people that get their meat at the grocery store, and I, I can say, like, yeah, I know where my meat comes from, and they're like, yeah, that's really cool. But that's not going to register with someone who doesn't eat meat. That's not going to work. So, like, have some different tools in your tool belt, (laughs) I guess. Um, Yeah, so what would you recommend if we're talking to someone who, you know, doesn't care that we're out there in nature and and doesn't care that we're feeding our families? um, So there's a couple things. I can tag this podcast, too. Uh, I learned most of my stuff actually writing papers um, as a college student. I would do some research about hounding, hound hunting and um, hunting in general and the benefits of it. So and that's how I prepared my bank of knowledge is just like going to school and <laughs> writing research papers on the subject. Um, I realized that not a lot of us do that. Uh, if you are in college and if you are in school, I really encourage people to write essays and um, and do projects on hunting because it just, it, like I said, it widens your knowledge base 
and you have a captive audience, you know, of, <laughs> of it might be only like 20 people, but uh, most of the time they have no idea about right. hunting. That's 20 so, more people than, than before. And honestly, I remember some of the English classes that I took, um, that you could kind of write about anything. So you, you can pick mm-hmm. and choose as long as it's, you know, the right format and you support everything correctly yeah. and all that. Yeah, so I did speeches on um, on trapping. I did uh, informative essays, persuasive essays, all of that stuff. I've listened to a bunch of podcasts, both like this one and Meat Eater has some cool biologists on there sometimes. Um, and I used even a couple of his podcasts in my papers because he talks to biologists and researchers and um, doing these projects. So... Yeah, um, <laughs> I would just, the best way for anybody to inform anyone is to be informed themselves. And, and that sounds cliche or it sounds dumb, but it, the more knowledge you have about a subject, the easier it gets to talk to someone about it. Sure, definitely. I agree, and I I certainly have work to do in in that regard. And yeah. And yeah. it's not, and it's, um, to some people, and especially in hound hunting, I've reached a lot of people by telling them like my toughest day out there. Cause a lot of people, um, the most common misconception I run out to run into out here is like, Oh, it's gotta be so easy. You just put your dogs on something and it's in a tree. How is that That's, fair? That is the biggest thing. <laughs> so I tell them my toughest day in the woods. I tell them about the day that we started at six o'clock. And we didn't get dogs out until like eight thirty at night. Um, so <laughs> yeah, yeah. And you know that kind of ties back to okay. You know, my dad started rifle hunting. I started rifle hunting. Then I started archery, and then I did this. And it, you're always stepping up to a bigger challenge. And yeah. you know, right here we're at hound hunting. That is the biggest challenge because you're not only hunting one animal you have to have all the knowledge and the skill and everything to handle dogs yeah i gotta handle them all year too (laughs) right right so it's not easy caring for dogs and and not necessarily like do we train them no we give yeah we do but it's it's a lot of time and patience and direction that we have to give them and yeah and my thing, the, one of the first things I say when they say it must be easy is I tell them that that lion or that bobcat is trying to lose those dogs. So it's going to go into the thickest, steepest stuff it possibly can. And, like, when you're normally hunting, like, um, for a big game, like a deer or an elk, you can choose where you want to go. You can stay on a trail or you can look at a really steep hillside and be like, I think I'll go around that. When you're behind a pack of dogs and they tree something or they're having issues and there's a steep mountain in the middle, like between you and them, guess where you're going? <laughs> right. You don't have a choice. We you're don't, going we up don't, and over. We don't get um, to glass a mountain lion a tree from, you know, a canyon away and then yeah. you're like, okay, well, let's go get it. Those, those sheep aren't moving anywhere now or whatever it is. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, uh, it's really difficult. And now a quick word from our sponsor. Dakota 283 offers you unparalleled protection for your hounds. We're talking about military-grade kennel crates. 
Uh, I got got one of these two door kennel crates here at the house. It is super heavy duty. It's got slap latches on it that are stainless steel. Easily fits in the back of an SUV or if you're traveling with a camper shell, it's a great way to keep your dog protected while you are traveling. You just gotta check out their Dash series. This is a watering system and I've used a lot of these portable waterers over the years. But this system is all integrated into one unit and the way it's designed out of high impact plastic the water stays in the tank when you're not using it because you can put a plug in it check them out uh, the 3.5 is also compact enough that i can store it behind the seat of my pickup truck while i'm out hunting when it's super cold i've had exterior tanks before and as soon as i go to cold climates then i've got to figure out how i'm going to get water to my hounds and the dash takes care of that so check out dakota 283 at dakota283.com and at checkout enter the code hxp10 and get 10 percent off of your order um especially in some of the terrain that we get into like we sometimes we come out of there just counting dogs and making like we're we're just happy we have all of them in ourselves like <laughs> that's it and we're just hoping that we don't have to get the climbing gear out and get a dog unstuck um has so. it happened before uh my dad's had it happen a couple times we've been close when i've been with him um we had a that's what caused the the really long day we had a oh, dog sure. lift yeah and it was Oh, that was just a mess of a day. That whole story is like an hour long. But, so do, um, <laughs> do you normally pack? Yeah, so it was it was cliffed and uh, yeah. So we tried to get up to it one way, but the cliffs were so bad that we had to drive all the way around to the other side and try to call it up instead. And um, yeah, so we ended up. He finally did work his way down after hours, like four hours. The dog. Yeah. yeah. Um, so we did end up getting all the dogs back on that one. And the funny part was at the end of that day, it was dark. Um, it snowed on us like at least eight inches. Um, <laughs> and me and my boyfriend were waiting in a little pull-off, waiting for my dad to come down a different road. He had his chains on. Um, he just threw them on real fast to try to we're trying to pull out dogs, you know, it's getting dark and he put his chains on a little loose and they ripped out his back brake lines. So he's coming <laughs> off the mountain with like half the brake oh, no. he should have. And we're sitting down there in a pull off and Marty shuts the truck off and we see this like thing in the windshield and we're like, what was that? And I step out of the truck and it's a freaking lion. <gasps> just walking by us and we're like are you kidding me <laughs> like i don't think it was the one we were chasing um but what are the odds but, you know yeah yeah and it's kind of funny people ask me all the time like have you ever been scared you know like underneath a lion or have you ever been scared by a lion and that was the only time i'd ever been scared by a lion because i didn't have my dogs in between me and it mm-hmm. you know so, like, I'm like, no, if I have dogs on a lion, I'm not scared at all. But that thing was 10 feet away. <laughs> it was just you. Well, you and him. Yeah. 
and I like put a flashlight on it and it just looks at me and then just keeps walking like the biggest middle finger look you could ever receive (laughs) and you're just like what just happened and then the poor dog we had him um in the truck and he's just a diehard he's a plot hound and um he has a lot of grit he will not stop and uh but he had a 16 hour day so he was tired and he was curled up in a ball just sleeping and I opened the door and he could smell it so his little nose picks up and he starts you know like acting like he wants to go after it again and we're like no not (laughs) today buddy that That mountain lion just gave you and I the middle finger (laughs) (laughs) it was a wild day like because we started on a bobcat treat the bobcat but then um there was a wildlife biologist doing surveys in a helicopter, and they admitted later that they saw the dogs running and wanted to see what it was chasing, so they buzzed our dogs and made the bobcat jump again. And then it went, somehow we ended up on a lion, and yeah, yeah. Hey, you could have ended up on a moose, so. Yeah, yeah, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> At least it wasn't a moose. Yeah, and yeah. I mean, we went all the way up that road, and the I mean, it was coming down heavy. Like, the snowflakes were, like, quarter size, and walked out, got all the dogs, and we're walking back to the truck, and that's when the lead dog somehow figured it out and just took off. And, of course, the snow is so deep at this point that we don't know. I mean, obviously, it was a lie in the way he was acting, but you couldn't see. Uh, it was just purely scent. Um so it was, yeah. It was yeah, because those tracks were snowed in. Yeah. Yeah. Well, um, yeah, I ha- I can't say that I've had a day like that. Um, but <laughs> have I hunted in the mountains extensively? No, no. Do I want to? Yeah. At some point, I just, you know, want to <laughs> avoid days like that. <laughs> yeah, it's it's hard. <laughs> it's hard sometimes. And yeah. Yeah, we've never had to... My my dad's only had to leave a dog out out in the woods once. Um, that's that's pretty good, honestly. Yeah. Like, I think a lot of houndsmen have have more days where you've got to leave dogs out than than maybe. What yeah, yeah, had. and we we really do. I know everybody tries their best not to, but um, I mean, we try our best not to. Right. <laughs> we'll oh, be yeah. in there after dark and. I thought we were going to have to leave poor Hiram as a puppy one night mm. on a different hunt, but I ended up getting him out. Yeah, the yeah. the only time I guess I've had to leave a dog out, um, it was Piper. It was my best dog. And she ran away the night before training season opened in Wisconsin <laughs> for bear. And we were in heavy wolf country. Very heavy wolf country. And we know that there's a pack around right where my camp was. Mm -hmm. And she's gone. We don't exactly know what section she's in. Four hours later, someone, she wouldn't come to that that guy and um, just kept running off. But we knew the general area she was in. She could have crossed the road and everything, but we're like, okay. So we, like, it was, we were out for, like, five, six hours. And it was, like... Mm -hmm she's not coming and I can't hear her, you know, she's just trying to find a track that she just can't find in this, this little area. And they're like, you should just, you should just give up. Um, and her, 
her collar. Either she didn't have her shock collar on or it was dead. I can't remember which one. And I was just like, okay, like she knows where we are. Like she's seen us. She's heard us. She knows where camp is. I was just like, okay, I'll just go back to my camper. And if she comes back, she comes back. And if Mm -hmm. not, then we'll figure it out in the morning. Sure enough, yeah. 4 a.m., she's whining at my camper door, and, you know, I cried, <laughs> and I took her in, and I was like, oh, my gosh. Th- 30 minutes <laughs> later, it was time to wake up and start checking baits. <laughs> yeah. You ready to go? <laughs> she's like, yep, okay. I'm all warmed up now. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Yeah. So, yeah. Yep. They will, they will have... give us a run for our money, that's for sure. Yeah. Yep. But, um... <laughs> So we were talking earlier about you kind of like the fight we're up against, and I, I want to get a little bit more into that. Um, but there was some controversy that happened regarding your mountain lion. You kind of went a little bit viral <laughs> there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, it got shared to a bunch of hate groups. Um, yeah, it got shared a couple hundred times, and there's like a couple thousand comments, just nasty comments. And people calling people that I know, um, like one guy called my realtor. <laughs> he called my realtor and told me that he was, or told him that he was going to like find me and kill me. And this guy, like he wasn't even from here. He was from some weird country. Um, I can't remember even the name of it. I don't think I could pronounce it in the first place. But, yeah, just people being real nasty. Um, where did that originate? Did it get shared by Instagram or Facebook? Or where where did the the most hate come from, I guess? Uh, Facebook, for sure. Okay. Um, most hate was on Facebook. And all I did, I just shared it again. Um, <clears throat> it was kind of funny. I, I think it was a little bit self-inflicted because... Someone found it randomly and posted, like, a hate comment on it. So I posted, I shared it. I shared her comment and my mountain lion picture and said, like, a couple, like, a year or so later, I'm still getting still getting hate mail or something like that. And then that's the one that went viral. And I just kept oh. posting, like, dead things over and over again. Um, <laughs> it was bad. It was, I kind of took it and ran with it. I, cause my next post was a, a different angle of the lion and talking about predator hunting and, um, why it's important. And then a couple of my next ones were like trapping and the importance of it and the importance of hunting. Yeah. So, so I mean, it's not, you're, you're not out there saying like, come get me, look, I'm a savage, you know, that killed this animal. <laughs> you're out there, you know, trying to educate um, I guess I, I'm going to put you on the spot a little bit. Do you think that, I mean, there's been so many grip and grins with the exact pose that you're in with your lion. Do you think any change in how you set up that photo would have changed anything? No, okay. <laughs> no, not with these people. Um, maybe with some people, but not with these people. Uh, these were they like know it's a dead animal and that's group. all they care yeah. about. Yeah, and and I, I'm I kind of bring it on myself too because people are telling me like, oh, block these things. Like, um, your your page is still public. What are you doing? And I'm like, I'm not gonna hide from anyone. I want 
people to know how nasty people are to people like me mm-hmm. because I might be thick skinned, but I know some people that aren't and that this would really hurt. So <laughs> well, I'm not going to block anyone. And we know that those people are never going to change their minds. You can't, yeah. you can't even give them, there's no hope. There is absolutely no hope. But like you're saying, they're commenting on this. They're showing how nasty they are. They're saying they're going to kill you. Like, what does that yeah. show to people who are like, eh, I don't know if I agree with this or if I don't. And Exactly. You know, you're at least in your post, you're you're educating and you're you're writing some commentary there, not just like, look what I did. Yeah, yeah. So I think that's, like, that's important. Exactly my point too is like people are telling me like, oh, delete these and block people, and I'm like, no, I'm gonna like share them because this is awful and not right. Yeah. But yeah, and. It's just always interesting to get those um, because amongst those hate comments, I would say that I probably got like 10 to 15 people um, messaging me like genuinely interested in like why I do it um, because they didn't like the picture, but they didn't want to like go on the attack like all the other people were. Yeah, um, they didn't like have they, enough I got, to understand it. Yeah, I got messages from people saying like, "Hey, um don't like predator hunting, but um can you tell me more about why this happened because these people are being really nasty to you." And I don't like that either. Mm-hmm. So, that was a win for me. <laughs> so, definitely. Yeah. yeah, that opens up a narrative. I I enjoy when I get messages from people that, you know, we've been Facebook friends from back my pre-hunting days, and they're like, wow, I didn't know that you could do that, or those dogs are so neat, or, you know, I love mm-hmm. the way they sound, or, you know, can you tell me more about, like, raccoon hunting, and just yeah. stuff like that. I'm like, yeah, sure. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, <laughs> that's fine. And, yeah, and, so I got quite a bit of that, that's too, good. which There's makes it worth it. A little bit of balance. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, if people want to see it, or the post is kind of gone now, but my my handles are Outdoor Revivalist, so I show up on there. I don't think we've plugged that in yet, Outdoor Revivalist. No, no we haven't. So on Instagram, you're Outdoor Revivalist, and you ha- you have a Facebook page uh, for that as well? Yeah, same? I do. It's not as big. Um, okay. But, yeah, same name. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Um, you could even – I don't know if you could share that post to, like, our group page where the comment went viral and people were um, – Maybe. Yeah, I'd have to Attacking go you and you it. could, you know, say, like, this is what – you know, the, I don't, everybody knows those people are out there, but – yeah. yeah, I don't know if it would help anything, but it's just so people are aware, you know, and, it, and it's your choice. If you want to be public or private about it or not, um, personally, like yeah. my Facebook page is public or private, but my Instagram's public. Um, but I also just kind of watch what I post there, too, and nothing's come up that people are like, oh, I hate you you know, stuff like that. But I, 
I egg it on. I'm so terrible. (laughs) (laughs) I know you said you've been kind of amped up like the last week, kind of getting ready for this. I don't know know what's up. I mean, we're just, we're just in a, like a crazy environment right now. And I think, you know, probably what, what helped amp you, amp you up is what happened with that, um, cattleman's bill. Yeah. That just got you thinking. Yeah, Initiative 16 was, um, yeah, it was making a lot of ranching practices illegal, calling it sexual acts on an animal, um, which is just insane. But they knew it was insane, so. And we're talking doing AI on cattle, which. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. AIing and Totally, you know, normal and happens every day on a farm, whether it's cattle or dairy or whatever. Mm Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. So, um, and then you recently just got involved with an organization on a leadership level too, right? Yeah. Colorado um, Trapper and Predator Hunters Association. I am the Northeast director. Uh, it's a pretty tight-knit organization, and the president does most of the stuff. But, yeah, if, if you guys aren't a part of your organizations yet, you really should be. They do a lot of good work. Um, mm-hmm. Everything's nonprofit level, you know, uh, for most and, most organizations. And I believe in, in in kind of crossing over your support in organizations. So, you know, bear hunters supporting the trappers, and maybe some bear hunters are trappers themselves. But mm-hmm. you know, sh- supporting those that support you. Yeah, yeah, and I think there needs to be more of that. Colorado's, um, I, I like the way he set this up because it's Colorado Trapper and Predator Hunters Association. So predator hunters are roped into this association too. And Colorado, um, they do a really good job here between the Cattlemen's Association and the Trapper uh, Predator Hunter Association because they talk to each other all the time and if there's an issue that trappers are going to be involved with like the bobcat thing the cattlemen association showed up and the initiative 16 thing um the trappers and predator hunters showed up to that as well so they do a really good um collaboration here and i think we need more of that and um what organizations in colorado in colorado that you're familiar with I mean, we'll just talk about your state. If people want to get involved there, whether you live in Colorado, and there's a lot of us that just hunt in Colorado. We go there in the winter and, you know, you run dogs on lions, what have you. Uh, you yeah. might go out there for an elk hunt or deer hunt. I'm not sure what's out there and what you can hunt. I'm, But, you know, um, <laughs> if if you participate and you also just want to support organizations uh, that you believe in, um, let's talk about those and how you can join. Yeah, so Colorado Trapper and Predator Hunters Association, um, you can just Google it there and follow the link. And um, they do really good. The thing that I like about them most is they're really good at keeping you aware of what's going on. So they don't, like, email spam you just for fun. They're going to email you, um, like, action items when something really needs your attention. Mm -hmm. And another one... The Cattlemen's Association is great, too. Like I said, they collaborate a lot together. Um, and national level, though, I really like the National Trapper Association. They do a lot of good work. Um, so 
Yeah, I mean, there's one everywhere. Uh, even if you don't have an association in your state, National Trapper Association is great. Um, but so is people. So are people like Sportsman's Alliance. Uh, they're one of my favorites because Definitely. they're really politically involved. Um, yeah. Yeah, Sportsman's Alliance has been key in a lot of um, fights that that were in nationwide, for mm-hmm. sure. So, and, and we've talked about them before on the podcast. And to those that haven't checked it out, go check it out. Um, just just good stuff and get involved. It's just, it's important and vote. You know, we've repeated this time and time again on the podcast. And I know some people think it's like, oh, we're beating a dead horse. I don't want to hear this again. But uh, you, do you see what's happening out here, you know? <laughs> it's a little crazy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Um, yeah. So, um, let's see anything else that we should cover. Like, what are you, what are you looking forward to? What, um, I don't know. Colorado wise, are there any big fights coming up? Mm. Uh, one thing that really did scare me a couple months back on the Humane Society of the United States Facebook page, they were gathering signatures to quote, and trophy hunting of lions in Colorado. So I think we can see that here pretty soon. Um, yeah. The HSUS so. is everywhere. They just testified in a meeting that I um, uh, was watching with the Wisconsin Department of Natural Resources. They they have their fingers in everything, and they have the money yeah. to do it. And they've exactly. gotten away with it before. Look at New Mexico. Yep. So look alive, I guess, is all I got to say. Like, um, and be I'm smart. sure New Mexico is really scared about um, their hound hunting community because they, they've got a huge hound hunting community down there, and uh, trapping just went away just like that. So <laughs> that's scary. Definitely, definitely. Um, let's talk about this upcoming season. What are you, what oh. are you excited for? What are your goals? I'm excited to get that puppy going. Um, He's still young. Uh, He does really, really well. There's some days, even last year, that he was trying to take a track by himself uh, that the other dogs just didn't find yet. So I think think he's got the makings of a lead dog. So I'm really, (laughs) I'm hoping I'm not amping him up too much, but he's freaking awesome. Uh, (laughs) His first cat, he that we ever let him go on he treed and stayed under it and it was awesome so i'm i'm really looking forward to having him go a lot and you don't you don't uh, have any temp- super young dogs what? to start this year right no okay. no no so i only have yep all the ones i mentioned I'm excited about that. I have I, I work temp jobs with different wildlife agencies, and it's actually pretty perfect because usually they end right around October, November. So then I get um, until I find a new job, of course, until I, <laughs> I get that couple months of that first season off. So nice. I'm excited. Yeah, and I, excited and I saw now run. you're working with like amphibians and tadpoles and. Yeah. Stuff? <laughs> yep, I'm working with the Wyoming toad. Um, it's an endangered species in Wyoming, so we're raising them and releasing them. 
Oh, okay. As a kid, I would have been in heaven. I had pet toads and salamanders (laughs) and just loved it. So (laughs) they're so cute. I'm sure my friends are sick of me sending them pictures of um, little tadpoles and (laughs) and toads. Uh, And I usually work with fish. I'm going to go to the University of Wyoming um, for a couple years. I've got three semesters until I have a wildlife biology degree. So I'm going to go get that done. So you're gonna go so, live there or online what? or how does that work? Um, I'm close enough to the Wyoming border that I'm just gonna commute um, to the university and yeah, okay. get my degree. Nice. Well, that yeah, that's, that's exciting. So you've got three more semesters. Yeah. Well, after this one, so okay. I guess we'll call it four. I'm taking two classes this semester. Um, to major in wildlife biology, and then I'm trying to figure out if I want to minor in political science. Um, I think it's important because of how political wildlife decisions have become, whether we like it or not. I would really like to know more about how to work the atmosphere and do as much as I can. Um, Do you know anyone else that's had that combination of... Yeah, actually, there is a woman that's pretty high up in U.S. Fish and Wildlife. She came to help us one day, and she has a double major in wildlife biology and um, political science, and is hopefully making a lot of good decisions for us. Uh, She seemed really nice and caring, so, um, yeah. Cool. Well, that's exciting um, to to be pursuing that degree, and you'll figure out kind of where you want to take it after that and Mm -hmm. it all it all kind of depends on what's open at the time but do you think you want to stay in Colorado you know seeing as is what their laws are with trapping and and we'll see if they take if they try to take my hounds away (laughs) right and then you're like no I'm out of here yeah if if they take hound hunting away we might as well I mean Wyoming's just right there so Mm -hmm. yeah yeah I don't know what I would do. I, you know, if they tried to, I mean, they try all the time. I mean, yeah, just say oops, like good. And I try to explain people that to people too. Like if my dogs get out of the yard, they're running something. It's not like I'm going to make them do anything. They they escape the yard and they're on the trail of something. You know what? That's what I like about when, if my dogs do, run away they're not running away like some german shepherd or like a collie <laughs> that's just running away being like oh i'm free like they're running no, away they're... <laughs> because they're chasing something and they're yeah. going to end up treed every time except for the puppy when she ran away at seven months every time that they have gotten away they they end up treed so <laughs> like that's that's just a blessing honestly yep <laughs> that's funny yeah yeah, so I, I like Colorado. I all I think I'll always stay in the mountains. I couldn't trade high elevation for anything. I really, yeah, found my yeah. place in the mountains, but where I'm at in the mountains might change, might not. They just, the mountains have to be right there. <laughs> yep. Wherever, wherever you are, they the have mountains. to be there. I can't even just be looking at them. I have to be in them. <laughs> gotcha. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I've uh, I I grew fond of the mountains, and it's sometimes it's hard being back in Wisconsin, but it's so green here, and it's so lush, and you know I get to hunt raccoons and bear, and 
you know, there's coyotes and bobcats in the winter and, you know, it's pretty good. We've got it pretty good here too. So, but I'm looking forward to traveling more and, and checking out other areas of the country, seeing what people hunt and even other areas of Wisconsin. Um, you know, for yeah. bear training season, I hope to just kind of travel around and, and hunt with a couple people and kind of decide what I really like. So Yeah. Yeah. I want to try running bears somewhere before my dogs get old, but <laughs> we'll see. You're welcome up here anytime. It's a haul. It is a haul, but. Right. It's, yeah. It's, it's a little fun. Bit, a little go, to, go to New Mexico. <laughs> I might be going in there, going there in like October. Yeah, yeah, that's what we keep talking about. It's just talking about it and doing it. It's two different things. Right. And you got job schedules and all the adult fun stuff. <laughs> exactly. Jobs and money <laughs> and, you know, making sure your horses are still taken care of. <laughs> yeah, that too. Exactly yep. right. <laughs> yep. Well, um, this has been good. I've I've enjoyed listening to your story, and I think you've got some really good things to say in regards to just like the the political environment that we're in right now and i i appreciate your your different view on why we hunt and things like that that i hadn't really thought of and it's important to think about that stuff and there's going to be more things that come up that you know you're going to have your opinions of and i hope that we can have you back on um maybe for some kind of point blank where chris puts us on the spot big time Yeah, I would love to. So yeah. thanks for having me. I I had a lot of fun. Yeah, me too. You're very welcome. Um, and just to recap everybody, um, her handles are Outdoor Revivalist, all together, like one word, uh, Facebook and Instagram. And um, check out your, your local associations in Colorado. It's the, um, what, the what the trapper, what and predator trapper and predator hunters trapper and predator yeah. hunters okay and the national trapping association and you know we've talked about the wisconsin bear hunters association before on this podcast check stuff out like that and sportsman's alliance and stay in the loop guys <laughs> and uh i just wanted to let you know that we have a certain way of closing this podcast out have you heard it before is it bad that I haven't? I'm sorry. No, it's okay. <laughs> so, uh, we're, uh, we're in Colorado. It's late December. We're driving down the road and you've got your dogs. I've got mine. And we, we think we've got this track for a lion, but we're not, it might be too old. So we might have some dogs go backwards, go forwards. Who knows? One might go off after a moose and the rest pile in, but You follow your hounds, and I'll follow mine. (laughs) Sounds like a deal. There we go.